We are, uh, we are celebrating this today. This is our seventh year in a row celebrating International Orphan Sunday. And this is near and dear to the work of the church than anything I could actually say. Um, so the main thing today is this, what John said. What Christ has done for us, we do for the world. You want to know what a Christian does? That's what a Christian does. You look what Christ has done for you, you do for other people. It's that simple. See, I'm a bottom line kind of person. What it all boils down to? Make it simple. How's a Christian live? What's a Christian supposed to? What are actions supposed to be? What's the bottom line? Here it is. What Christ has done for you, you do for someone else. How Jesus looks at us, that's how we look at other people. How what Jesus uh, speaks to us, we speak to other people. What, how Jesus treats us, we treat other people. What actions Jesus took towards us, we, those are the actions we take towards other people. That's it, you guys. That's it. That's what it boils down to. You say, that's it? Yep. So, th so this is what the Christian asks. The Christian asks this. If Jesus had my talents, my abilities, my income, my home, my family, my life, my job, my relationships, if Jesus had all those things, what would he do with them? That's, that, that's the question the Christian asks. And, and what, if your answer is any different than how you are living now, then you need to repent because you're off the track that God has for you. So I want everybody to ask a simple question. If Jesus had my talents, my abilities, my income, my home, my life, my job, my friends, what would he do? It would be anything different than I'm living right now. Then you're off path. So, see, a lot of times Christians try to make things difficult uh, so they don't have to do what Jesus has done for them. Um, you know, try to ask deep questions, pretending to be intellectual, so they don't have to do for others what Jesus has done for them. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard people, you know, try to study the Greek language, and there's nothing wrong with studying the Greek language. You know, some of my best friends study the Greek language. I study the Greek language every now and then. That's what the Bible is written in, New Testament. But try to get all said, well, did Jesus really mean that? We do all that kind of stuff so that we don't have to do for the world what Christ has done for us. I've seen people do it all the time. And try to tell you what Jesus meant to say. Instead of actually what Jesus oh, they don't have to do for others what Jesus has done for them. All right, but here's the thing. We are called to do for others what Christ has done for us. Has, have we made that clear yet? Have, have we driven that nail home? Okay. All right, so what did Christ do for us? Well, I want to take you to Romans chapter 8, verse 14, verse 17. Uh, Paul writes this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Stop right there. Everybody underline the word children. Highlight it if you're using the version or, or online Bible. Children of God. We have overused that so much that it's lost its power and lost its meaning. Children of God. See, I don't think most Christians understand themselves as children of God. I think, and, and it's a great and stunning truth, and we saw it up here, that Christ saves us from our sins. That's a great and stunning truth, and I don't want to minimize that at all. But unfortunately, in the Western church, American church, the gospel's kind of stopped there. It's kind of been pigeonholed there, that Christ has forgiven your sins and that he's going to take us to heaven when we die. I mean, that's a great and stunning truth, but guys, that is like 1% of what Jesus is talking about. All right? What he, he, he goes, we are children of God. That's a different thing. There are a lot of children in this, in this church. I don't know if you know that or not, you fruitful people, you. There are a lot of children in this church, but there are only three in this church that I call my children. Okay? There are a lot of children running around, but only three that are mine. Get that. Only three that are mine. 
There are only three that I call my children. See, I think we kind of think of, of God and, the ch- and, and, and being saved as kind of like being a child in the church, but really not that person's child. Children of God. And he goes on. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, does not make you servants, so that you should live in fear. Again, rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption, everybody underline the word adoption, to sonship and daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. I wish every person would memorize this paragraph because this strikes at the heart of what everything Christ has done. Okay, we are children of God. We call him Father. We have been adopted into God's family, and and now we are heirs. Did you hear that? Heirs. So a lot of us don't understand that. And for good reason, because it's never really been preached. That, listen, listen. According to Scripture, when we are baptized into Christ, we go in front of the judge. This is the courtroom. We go in front of the judge with Jesus Christ as our attorney. And when we're baptized into Christ, the judge declares us part of of the forever family of God. Jesus pays the adoption fee. We who had no family, no purpose, no hope, we who were orphans are now adopted into the family of God. And then, then, we get written into the will because it says we're heirs. We're heirs to Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God. In other words, the way you really know you're in the family is when you get written into the will. A lot of people don't think of themselves as being written into the will of God, the will. A lot of us think maybe we're kind of God's foster kids, maybe, that we're kind of living in the house, but, you know, we're going to be leaving soon, and we're not really, we haven't had that last name change, we haven't had that, we're just not really, no, no, no. When you become a Christian, when, when, uh, when you are baptized into Christ, you are written into the will, the inheritance. That's what it's saying here. You understand that, that the primary work of Christ is not necessarily to save you of your sins, even though that's, that's what he does. The primary work of Christ is adoption. He adopts you. That's what Romans is saying here, and that's what we do for the world. That's it. Primary work of the church is adoption. So the primary work of the church should be adoption. Caring for orphans. James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I don't think there's any coincidence that, that James, who was the brother of Jesus, by the way, knows what he's talking about, said these two things. Because I think they're directly related. I think that the, 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 uh, the look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, I think these two are completely and totally related. They are. Because I think the biggest hindrance to the first to look after widows and orphans in their distress is the acceptance of the second one. We accept the world's pollution into our lives and therefore we don't care for widows and orphans. Follow with me here. This is what I'm saying. What truly keeps you from caring for widows and orphans? What stops you from adoption? What stops you from sponsoring children? What stops you from mentoring them and rescuing them from poverty? Is it belief? No, no, it's not belief. I wouldn't, if I went to every one of you in this room today and said, well, is caring for orphans a good thing? Not one of you would say, nah. 
So you believe that caring for orphans is a good thing. The problem is that uh, we all, uh, uh, problem is, is that we have been polluted by the world. And we have adopted other values and other priorities that have stopped us from doing the primary work of the church, the primary work of Christ. See, guys, because caring for orphans will cost you money. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, it, it will. It'll cost you money. And we're being polluted by the world that says that acquiring money and, and having as much as you possibly can and, and, and the goal to have as much money as possible, we'll neglect the orphan because they're not a priority. We got our 401ks to deal with. We got the new car we need. I mean, we, we, we got to take the trip to Florida. We, we can't care for orphans. See what I'm talking about? See, caring for orphans will cost space and comfort. It will. And if, you've been, if you foster or you adopt, you give us space in your home. You will. You've got to have some place to live, right? And, and, and you'll have discipline problems. You'll have less comfort. And if you've been polluted by this world and believe the purpose of life is to be as comfortable as possible, then you're going to neglect the orphan. You know, caring for orphans is going to cost you friends and family. You know, people don't think you're crazy. The people that have adopted, people that are foster parents in this church told me that, that their friends and family think they're nuts, absolute nuts to do this. That's okay. We're Christians. They've been saying that about us for 2,000 years. They really have, you know? I mean, the world thought we were crazy. Jesus, they thought Jesus was crazy. Jesus' own family thought he was crazy, okay? You'll lose friends and family. That's okay. When you stand before Jesus and he says, uh, I was an orphan and you took me in, you won't be missing the folks that walked away from you. You won't be. Okay? So, guys, I think that one of the things we need to do, if we are really and truly going to be about the primary work of the church, primary work of Christ, we need to, let, we need to stop being polluted by the world and its priorities and its values and what it says we should be doing. We have to just walk away from that. And look at what, Jesus, what, what the brother of Jesus told us in Scripture, that the primary work is to care for widows and orphans that are stressed and stop being polluted by the world. Guys, I know what's stopping me from doing more for orphans. And it's not my beliefs, and it's not my means. It's the fact that I have pursued the, the, the priorities and the values of this world. Trying to fit in. That's what stopped me. It's not my belief. It's not even, not even the, the, uh, the, the fact that I love orphans and, and, and everything. It's just the fact that it's not willing to give up the comfort and not to give up the the cash. And I just want to ask myself in front of all you when I stand before God, is that going to be good enough? He said, my primary work was orphan care. My primary work for you is orphan care. Well, you know, God, I needed a few extra bucks. Is that going to be good enough? I'm asking myself that. I'm asking you that as well. I will say this, you all. I will say this, because not all news is bad news. The church is winning big in this area. Winning big time in this area. According to research, Christians, people who call Christ Lord and Savior, are more than twice as likely to adopt a child as are non-Christians. Did you know that? That Christians are the ones getting it done. Um, in addition, 38% of Christians have seriously considered adoption, while only 26% of non-Christians have. It's excellent news. I, lo I love seeing Christians take the word of God seriously. God says it, we do it. I love that. Um, uh, but we aren't where we need to be. Guys, only 5% of Christians have adopted a child. 
and only 4% are foster parents. Now, while that is twice what the world is, compared to 2% of non-Christians adopting and 2% of non-Christians fostering, we're more than twice as likely to adopt and twice as likely to foster. That's still pretty small numbers, you guys. Still pretty small. Uh, in addition to fostering and adopting, though, check this out. American Christians spend more than $5 billion every year sponsoring children, rescuing them from poverty. Not everybody can adopt and not everybody can foster, but you can sponsor a child, okay? Through organizations like Compassion, World Vision, individual programs like our, our orphanage in India. That rescues orphans from human trafficking, from drugs, from violence. It gives them food, water, education, shelter, and shares the love of Christ with them. That's what, that's what all that money is going to do. Guys, the work of caring for orphans is one of the areas I am most proud of this church or being a part of. Uh, we are truly living out Jesus' commands in the world. And so many of you all have committed yourselves to care of orphans and foster care and mentoring. And, and I cannot tell you how thankful I am to be your pastor. Because this church is getting it done. And I, I, I don't want to just uh, rain on your parade. I want to thank you. I want, I want, to, I want to say you're, you're awesome because of the way the culture of this church has grown around fostering and adoption and sponsoring and mentoring. It takes, this is the primary work of Jesus, and you guys are taking it seriously. Just amazing. So I'm going to ask you guys for something today. I'm going to ask you all to commit yourself to orphan care. If you're already doing it, thank you so much. If you haven't done it, I'm going to ask you to do it. What's holding you back? This is the primary work of the church. Um, seven years ago, guys, a miracle happened. An absolute miracle happened. Um, in February of 2012, I went to India and Nepal and did a, a big mission trip there where, where we set, set up the church planning organization and I was teaching church planning to pastors and it was a big thing. Well, on a side note, when I got to India and was teaching about church planting, um, I, I, there, was, there were about you know, 40 that were in an orphan ministry. There wasn't even an orphanage. It was an orphan ministry. The, the, the kids had kind of been on the street, and this church had basically said, okay, well, don't live on the street. Come live with some of our members. And, and they were kind of fostering these street kids, and that's all there was. Um, and, and so I met some of them and everything, and, and, and my friend Ravi in, in, in India, he didn't tell me anything about it. He didn't tell me what was going on. And that was in February. Well, we celebrated International Orphan Sunday for the first time seven years ago today. Seven years ago today. And I was talking with him. Uh, I, should have been, I should have been working on my sermon, but I was talking to him on Facebook. And I, sh I shouldn't have been, but I was. And I was telling him what we were talking about. He said, well, if there are anybody who want to sponsor children in our organization, uh, let us know. We could really use it. And um, I said, okay, I'll, I'll say something. I'll say something. And so almost offhandedly, as an aside, when we were talking about Orphan Sunday, I said, oh, by the way, there's this, you know, the orphanage in India that I just went to, and, and, and uh, anybody want to sponsor children? Uh, here, 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 I figured nobody would do it. I, I don't know. 28 families came forward that day. Total move of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't think I've had 28 families respond to a whole lot of anything. And, and, and this was in a church, we were only running like 75 or 80 people at that point. And so uh, there was a lot of people that came forward and said, yes, we're going to do this. Well, what Ravi did not tell me that 
was that he was within two days of having to close down the orphan ministry. There had been a guy in Texas that had been supporting him. He had died and the money had dried up. And he could not afford to feed these kids. He couldn't afford to house them. He was going to basically have to turn them out on the street because he was bankrupt. He didn't tell me any of that. Within two days, he was going to have to kick the kids out onto the street. And who knows what would have happened. Oh, well, we all know what would have happened. An orphan child against the world who wins. And so with the sponsorship of, of, of this church, the orphan ministry began thriving. Soon more and more children were added to that ministry. Today, uh, and I just got back a month ago, just dedicated a huge building and school and orphan, orphan care facility for more than 151 children, all sponsored by people in this church. They are safe from the human trafficking, which is so prevalent over there. They are getting an education. They're learning English, which will ensure them a good job. They are learning about Christ. They are safe. They are protected. And they are some of the most wonderful, awesome children I've ever seen in my life. They're such a blessing. Seven years ago, on this Sunday, International Orphan Sunday, God did a miracle. And I will tell you this, other than planting cattle and being part of this church, that is the biggest kingdom work I've ever been a part of, what's going on over there. And because of you all and your faithful support, you're making it happen over there. Not everybody can foster. Not everybody can adopt. But everyone can be involved in some level of orphan care. So I'm asking you today to get in the game. I'm going to ask you to be involved in at least one level of orphan care. There are four levels of orphan care that we promote here at Catalyst. The first one, well, I just talked about is sponsorship. It's the easiest one. Find yourself an organization such as Compassion or World Vision or a Catalyst Orphanage or somewhere that is sponsoring orphans. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Compassion and World Vision are a great, great big a uh, big organization. They are much more organized than we are. If you want to hear l regularly from your child, you will. They send letters. You can go to their website. You can send, you can com communicate with them and everything like that. It's great. Uh, Compassion exclu exclusively preaches the gospel. World Vision doesn't necessarily do that. They will go into countries where it's illegal to preach the gospel and still sponsor the children. They will not talk about Christ. That's the difference between Compassion and World Vision. Okay, uh, but they're very organized. Here's the drawback. Because of the organization, not all of your sponsorship money gets to the kids. I think compassion is like 90% of your sponsorship money gets to the kids. The other 10% goes to pay for things like the website and people to translate and, and, and everything like that. Okay? In our Catalyst Orphanage, we don't have the system. We don't have the website. We don't have the easy communication and everything. Like, we have no structure, but 100% of your money gets to the kids. Whatever you guys give, I send. And so, 100, so, so pick, pick whatever you want to do. If you, uh, the organization thing, Compassion, World Vision, if you want 100% of your money to get to the kid, you can sponsor through um, our, our orphanage. All you have to do is either go online check, uh, and make a donation to Catalyst Orphanage India or write in your memo line here, get a check, whatever. We ask for $35 a month. That pays for everything. Uh, $35, you, you deposit, give us $35, we send $35. And that's housing, education, clothing, everything like that. It's awesome. The second level is this. This is a little more heads on. It's mentoring. There is a program called Amachi, which is in, uh, in Lexington. 
uh, what they will do, they will partner you up with a child affected by incarceration, someone whose dad or mom or both are in jail. And you spend one hour a week for one year with them. I was involved in that program for many, many years. It was wonderful. Some of you guys are doing that, but that is a little more hands-on. It's not just a check. You're actually working with a child affected by incarceration. You're not bringing them into your home. You're just investing time in them. Level number three is fostering. We get a little bit more intense. You actually bring a child into your home on a temporary basis, and you shelter them from the world. You keep their children, their parents have been arrested or removed from the home or whatever's happened, abuse or whatever it is. You bring them into your home, and you raise them. You do not adopt them. You just foster them. You keep them safe while their parents are getting straightened out or the system makes other uh, makes other plans. Level number four is straight adoption, where you take an orphan child into your home and you make them part of your forever family. You bless them with your, the family. You write them into the inheritance. They are a full part of your family. Um, level one, level two, level three, level four. My goal is for every person at Catalyst to be at least one level. I want to, I want more four, more level three, more level two, and more level one today as a result of what we talked about today. Um, I, I received some communication from Ravi this week. There are five children in our orphanage in India that are ready to be adopted. And I'm going to show you their pictures right now. They are full orphans. They do not have parents. They have expressed a desire to come to America of an American family. They've got nothing. And possibly one of you stop them. And so I'm going to ask you right now that you pray about what your role in the central work of the gospel, the central work of the church is. Is it sponsorship? Is it mentoring? Is it fostering? Is it adoption? There's no greater way you can serve Christ than engaging in orphan care. Remember, the main thing, what Christ has done for us, we go and do for the world. That's it. I don't know if you guys know this or not. There's a major drug, drug epidemic going on. Major drug epidemic going on. And the purpose, one of the purposes of the church is to address the biggest needs in society. If we are not making an impact then we, are not, we might as well not even be here. It is the biggest problem facing our, facing our country and facing our community, the opioid epidemic. What can the church do with it, about it? Well, we could get a whole bunch of guys with shotguns and, and guns and go uh, shoot the drug dealers. How about that? No, that's probably not the work of the church. Um, we could um, uh, provide drug counseling and everything for people that are addicted. Well, we don't, that takes professional work. We, we're not professionals in here. We don't, that, that's, that's, that, that takes a lot of, of resources we don't have. So what can the church do? Well, how about we take care of the children that are affected by it? We're good at that. Some of the best parents in the world I know are sitting in this room. We know how to care for kids. We're real good at it. We've got children's ministry, we've got youth group, we've got trips, we've got homes that are functional and intact. Why can't the church address the biggest problem facing our community that way? Let's let the police deal with the drug dealers, let's let the counselors deal with the, with the uh, uh, problems with addiction, and let's take care of the children who, uh, of no fault of their own, are the biggest victims of this thing. 
How about that? How about the church step up and be those hands and feet of Jesus and deal with the biggest problem out in those streets right now? Foster, adopt, mentor. Let's get the children of Nicholsville and Central Kentucky into our homes where they can be loved, where they can be cared for, where they can learn about Jesus Christ, where they can be safe and maybe, maybe become part of your family. What would that say? What kind of statement would that be, not only to those children, but to an unbelieving world? Look at what the church does when it, when it takes the words of Jesus seriously. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. And I want you, I'm just going to ask you, what is your next step today? I told you I was passionate about this. This is near and dear to my heart. What is your next step? I'm going to ask you guys to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Are there any level four people in here today that haven't adopted, but man, Holy Spirit is tugging on you? Are there any level three who need to start fostering? Are there any level two who just need to get involved in a mentoring thing where you can influence a child? Are there any new level ones that you, you, can't, you can't foster, you can't adopt? It, it, that's, that's not, that's okay. Can you sponsor a child? Can you rescue them from poverty? Everyone can do something. So I want to ask you to pray. Be quiet and still before God and just pray. Ask what your step is. Thank you all for being such an amazing church, for being the kind of church that is doing the work of the kingdom. What's our next step?